I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I'm Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach. Now today we have a very interesting podcast. We're going to be talking about understanding what person's journey through a dramatic change that took place and all the different things she's done so far to understand it better and then kick ass in life. So join me in welcoming Megha Gupta to the Habit Coach Podcast. Now I met Megha in Goa. I think last year and we had a fantastic discussion and we tried different biohacking things so there are two episodes this first one is about her journey and the second one is going to be about biohacking mega welcome to the happy coach podcast thank you so much ashton thank you finally it's happening we've tried <laughs> to schedule this podcast for the last 2 3 times and it's failed so if you're listening to this consider yourself a lucky person all right mega can you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself hmm That's a question I'm finding an answer to still Ashton but since we are talking about biohacking in my journey I'm a girl and I used to act in Bombay till I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and I decided to move to Goa about 4 years ago and I stumbled across this concept this word called biohacking through a friend and started researching about it started studying it started understanding how it may help me and then I started applying the principles to my daily life and I was slowly able to bring my blood glucose down by large numbers glucose management became very well I started thriving I started putting on muscle which I was struggling without biohacking So that's something I started doing and I think that's why we are here to have a conversation about that journey in biohacking. So let me know about your life before the type 1 diabetes. What was that typically like? What was your lifestyle like? What was your life like back then? I would say there were three phases. There was my life and then the life that happened when I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and then there was my life with biohacking and type 1 diabetes. Correct. So if we talk about the middle part, that's the first part before that? The first part was pretty good actually. a very nice life touchwood you know great childhood and loving parents and fun stuff and great bonds and connections and great education and i i literally have the typical story of being spotted and asked to act and i declined twice and then the third time i have no idea how i got that download which said you know what many people at the age of 18 would die to be in your position and so if you're getting acting offers don't say no and so i didn't to the third one and started doing a daily soap and then i finished that and got back to doing a 9 to 5 job but offers kept pouring in and so then i eventually became an actor and i actually wanted to be a copywriter i wanted to write commercials oh wow yeah and acting happened and i said you know what i'll figure the rest out right now if the universe is offering me this i'll take it and i was really hard working at that and i did a good job i think and then i got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and that's when things changed and i decided to leave bombay and move out i was always a small town girl farm life and i was like okay now this is a sign it's time to move bombay's taken a lot from me and given me a lot as well but now it's time to leave and then i moved to goa and i started biohacking and that was a revelation in itself i slowly understood what my body was capable of and the science and the technique behind it and it's been a great journey so far so when you were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes it must have come out of the blue right you would have no idea that this something was taking place what made you check what made you go in for that first blood test was it an accidental thing was it something that a doctor prescribed what happened i basically had all the textbook symptoms and this is a great question because this is something i do not know as i had nobody 
who was diagnosed with diabetes in my family so i did not know these were textbook symptoms and I'm, so i'm going to lay them out here so that you know if you're listening to me this might help i was constantly thirsty i would drink water like eight times in the night i would constantly want to pee i would use the washroom like again seven eight times in the night i had lost a lot of weight i was constantly hungry and i had a uti which wasn't getting better and i had never had uti before and it lasted for nearly a month and a half two months and so we were going to the doctor for my mom's checkup and we casually mentioned to the doctor that you know i have a uti which isn't getting better and she was like you're diabetic and i was like what no way and she's like i'm telling you i can see your diabetic get your glucose checked and we did and it turned out to be a number of 467 which in uh, the diabetic world is high you would be at a good 100 you know 80 to 100 is a good number to be at and my mom couldn't believe it she's like ye machine kharab hai this machine is not working and i don't believe this and let's get tested through another machine and we did and then another machine and we were like okay this is real and this is really happening and then we ran a couple of more tests and figured that i was a type 1 not just a type 2 i was a type 1 the more rare autoimmune disease and that's when more blood work tests and this entire you know like things just fell on me and i finally opened my laptop and i was like okay what is diabetes wow so because like i said i mentioned nobody in my family was diabetic so it was a language very alien to me i knew these words like insulin glucose are sugar, sugar high ha usko sugar ho gaya mm-hmm. correct so that's when i started researching and how did you know it was type 1 and not type 2 because they are two completely different forms of diabetes you're so right you know ashton actually i feel like type 1 diabetes should not even be called the same word correct type 2 diabetes and type 1 diabetes are so different 1% of the diabetic population is a type 1 diabetic it's that rare and if i was a type 2 by now i'm pretty sure knowing my strength in and my confidence in my own self i would have healed myself but type 1 is as they say on paper an autoimmune which is lifelong so how i knew was when we ran some more tests the doctors were like do the gada test which will establish if you are a type 1 or a 1.5 or a 2 and that's when we established i was a 1.5 actually what's the 1.5 this is the first time i'm hearing a 1.5 yeah it's interesting it's when your body is kind of sort of making insulin hmm. but not but it's not a type 2 but it's not a type 1 and it's kind of it's like as the population is increasing as science is making more progress we're able to establish that there are various forms of diabetes hmm. and so there is a type 1 so a type 1 diabetes the body does not make any insulin correct or makes a very little amount of insulin very little amount for 1.5 there'll be a little more insulin that is being produced right type 1 is no insulin no insulin hmm. correct type 1 hmm. is no insulin hmm. 1.5 is less insulin very little in very fluctuating yeah correct and type 2 is completely different has nothing to do with the insulin in this context completely right. right so when you found out about this what did the doctor say and what was the general mahol at home it's a bit of a hazy time for me my mom was very upset and you know that typical story ki ek doctor se dusre doctor pe khatkhata rahe hain aur puch rahe hain kya hoga and everybody was like aapko to insulin lena padega and i was i spoke to my brother and he was like don't take insulin once you take it you will get dependent on it let's heal this naturally so it's there are so many different schools of thought and then they all come out and play somebody will be like let's go to that yogi somebody will be like go hug tree somebody would be like just take insulin somebody would be like get admitted it was very confusing very bewildering and to see my mom also in pain and people would look at me and say 
आप तो इतने फिट हो आप तो इतने पतले हो आप तो कितना वर्कआउट करते हो आपको डायबिटीज़ कैसे हो गया एंड सो इट वॉज़ वेरी पेनफुल फॉर मी एज वेल बिकॉज माई गिफ्ट टू द वर्ल्ड इज़ ट्राइंग टू मेक दम हेल्दी और राइट एंड सनडे आई वॉज लाइक हाउ कैन आई बी अ हेल्थ एडवोकेट इफ माई ओन बॉडी इज़ डैमेज्ड एंड दैट वॉज अ डिफिकल्ट पिल टू स्वॉलो एज वेल सो इट वॉज ऑल वेरी कन्फ्यूजिंग बिवेलरिंग सैड फ्रस्ट्रेटिंग कुन अंडरस्टैंड कुन गेट एनी आंसर्स Yeah, I think when something like this happened, exactly what you said, right? It's an identity crisis that suddenly takes place. You know, the whole "Who am I?" that you started the podcast with hmm. again happens at that point of time because you're saying that this is what my life was. Now I don't think my life is going to be the same. Yeah, right. It's an identity shift that has to take place, and you almost go through probably the same, you know, kinds of self doubt. You go through all those elements of you know grief that happen. Hmm. Yes, you're so right. It's uh, a major identity crisis, and then you question everything. You know, you're like, how can I tell people to go do a workout where after doing all that workout, I'm still a type one diabetic? Like, how did that happen? And especially when people say, "Ab to kitne fit ho," then I'm thinking, where did I go wrong? Mere pyar mein kahan kamy reh gayi thi? So yeah. Right. What was it that I did wrong? Yeah. Did you did you figure out what caused the autoimmune condition? Was there a trigger? Was there something that was a lifestyle thing that caused it? Did you do any post mortem on it? I did, and honestly, I still haven't found the answer because I was recently at a health retreat, and I was, you know. I had questions and they were like forget genetics forget everything you have it you have it there's no answer sometimes you just have it and that's the thing with genetics like it could not happen for generations and then it would suddenly show up hmm. my personal take on my life situation is that i put my body and mind under extreme stress and when we go through stress it does affect some part of you and in my case my pancreas were affected so that's my take on it and i do feel i do believe that's true my brain in its thought in its overthinking in its pain grief trauma made my pancreas shut down temporarily hmm. it is a psychosomatic thing that takes place right your brain is saying something because of the stress your mind is at play and that manifests somewhere in the body yes right a large part of the autoimmune conditions that take place are psychosomatic in yes. nature have you read any of the autoimmune books autoimmune fix autoimmune solution any of those no no oh these. must must they brilliant okay. books that are there you know i highly suggest them to anyone who has an autoimmune condition wow okay i must, must. i will i'll send you one copy it's really nice thank you thank okay. you okay so when you think about this right so there was this point where type 1 diabetes happened right then the doctors were saying something family was saying something everyone was giving the two bits it's like you know when you have a baby everyone wants to tell you how to you know raise that baby <laughs> complete confusion how did you decide on this path that you chose next oh through a lot of fumbling and a lot of experimentation and a lot of pain and a lot of confusion when i got diagnosed i decided not to take insulin immediately and bring it down naturally and i went to this yogi who i was recommended and he said hug trees have bowls of fruit and everything which i kind of believed in i do believe in the energy of trees and i did what he asked me to do grounding anyways yes very good so did all of that and then my cousin was coming down from delhi and he was coming home and he was like should i get you something from shiv sagar i'm stopping by and i'm like you know what okay get me two samosas i've not had samosas in a while and he being a delhiite punjabi got me six samosas and che chaat papdis and dada and lo behold my glucose shot up to 600 and i got a little bit of a panic attack because somebody had told me after 500 you could go into a diabetic coma so then i was rushed to the hospital and which hospital i won't mention but i was given insulin and I was kept in the hospital for 3 days to monitor my insulin consumption and my carb consumption based on which I would be given my insulin dosage that I will have when I get home. They fed me 
white bread sandwiches ashton they fed me poha you and i had this conversation on the phone you know my blood was boiling when i was telling you this and based on that carb consumption they gave me this much insulin i come back home i'm having brown bread sandwiches i'm having eggs so my carb consumption is this my insulin is this i went through a roller coaster i'm getting goosebumps as i say this i went through a roller coaster of hypoglycemia which is low sugar and hyperglycemia which is high sugar and then i became a victim to myself and i became a sadist to myself because then i was waiting to get a hypoglycemia because then i could eat all the chocolates and ice creams that i couldn't and because i got that opportunity i would stuff my face with all these things playing victim and then i my glucose would shoot up and then i would cry myself and have the insulin and sometimes as a rebel not even have that insulin because suddenly i was taking injections on my own as a very healthy individual or at least i thought in my head i was it was a painful 4 5 months of this roller coaster ride putting on 10 kgs losing one or two sad for myself till i decided to take matter in my own hands and do r&d and then i started experimenting with various nutrition plans i wouldn't call them a diet but nutrition plans of vegan vegetarian raw raw and vegetarian water fasting juice fasting autoimmune protocol intermittent fasting something i still live by and i know you like it too and then i started empowering myself with knowledge and information and getting out of victim mentality and experimenting with what is working for me keto paleo everything and then i finally stumbled across carnivo and it started making me you know that feeling of andar se bharne lagte hain so it started making me feel that and i started feeling healthy again but the brain fog started vanishing victim mentality started going so i started empowering myself with everything that we are given literally foc free of course because there's so much information on the internet if you really use it wisely and I'm still experimenting like I just recently discovered it's better to have a coconut milk cappuccino and not an almond milk cappuccino for me so it's an ongoing process and I always say it's never an oat milk cappuccino never never an oat milk cappuccino never hmm. never and it's still an ongoing process I firmly believe I am a work in progress and most of us are and this is a never ending journey so yeah that was how I started working on it All right we're going to come back to the podcast after a quick break Welcome back to the Habit Coach podcast. Let's continue. You know, you're so right. Hospital food, I often say, is designed for bringing people to the hospital, right? I see, like you know, if you go to the waiting room of a hospital, it is only junk food that is there. Yes. You don't get good quality food at all in any hospital, and that's something that I've seen across the board. It's so true. So you know, when you are experimenting with these. different nutrition plans right like we'll break them down into different pillars i'm guessing nutrition was one important aspect because you were controlling blood sugar hmm. how did you evaluate this works for me this doesn't work for me through a lot of intuitive living hmm. through a lot of sitting with myself and a lot of experimentation energy levels brain fog cognitive function afternoon dips and also for me i don't like the thought of being hungry all the time if i am doing intentional fasting then it is that but if my food is supposed to make me happy and i'm having this avocado salad and i walk out the kitchen and i've literally taken two steps and i'm hungry again then there's something wrong in my food plan so through a lot of experimentation a lot of intuitive living a lot of yeah these things to figure out what is really working for me and for me muscle is king and muscle is expensive and muscle is an investment and for that I would like to do anything and everything which helps me put on muscle and Carnivo worked really well in that aspect. So that was a major deciding factor that I need to stick to this nutrition plan. So when you discovered Carnivo, right? 
you must have had tons of people telling you this is a bad idea and things like that, right? Like, how did you navigate this? Because the stuff that you're doing typically is on the periphery of what people normally consider sane and not. That's true. That's a very interesting question. Thank you for asking me this. I always say I got a lot of beef for <laughs> eating beef. <laughs> it was quite a bit of a roller coaster ride in itself because when I started having beef, I was suddenly people were like, "Ab Hindu ho ke beef khare ho," and I was like, "You know what? My body doesn't understand whether it's a Hindu or a Muslim or a Sikh or an Isai." God did not send me down and say, "Ki beta, ab Muslim banke jao ya Sikh banke," or you know, be an a Hindu. God wanted me to be healthy. I know that he loves me he loves all of us and I know that for me to be healthy beef works and so if my body is happier and putting on muscle with beef I will eat it and so if people want to have their own personal agenda for it because you know they are not able to live their life completely and fully the way I do then it's a problem that they have and it's not my problem and so initially my following did dip and I was very consistent with what I was doing I was almost like a rebel putting up even more beef images even more bones and marrow yeah, and stuff like yes. that correct and eventually people understood i said those who will stay with me are they'll understand this is her life this is what she does and people who are not able to understand that are most welcome to leave it is what it is i'm not going to change my path to make others happy and slowly the following started going up and people understood this is what she does this is her life you recognize it you are on with it beyond you're not you know that's the unfollow button you're most welcome to leave this is a free country so i that's how i handled it and it really worked for me so you know we had one of india's top carnivore nutritionists on the podcast hmm. her name is sangeeta ayer hmm. so we done an entire podcast she's the one that picks beef with everybody hmm. so matlab her twitter is one full war scene there okay and it's so interesting right because people are so attached to the belief systems that they have about food right so as a result it is always no you are wrong you are right and everyone thinks that there is one right way of mm. eating mm. right so it is this entire thing about understanding what is right for me might be different from what is right for you mm. and getting that in place makes a big difference you know like we were talking about this whole thing about you know people think you are mad mm. right i remember when i started fasting 9 years ago 10 years ago at that point of time people thought ashtin you're going to faint on the middle of the road hmm. and right would go crazy don't drive those are the kinds of things that people spoke about hmm. right it's always that attitude first before people understand what it is that you're actually trying to do true i think in your case ashtin you were way 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 ahead of your time yes. with everything totally geeking out yeah so what you were doing 10 years ago people are slowly picking up now Yeah. So it's really funny seeing this transition thing because I'm happy that it's taking place mm. finally, right? Mm. And we'll see what the next ten years hold. Mm. Amazing. So one is this aspect of the food, mm. right? The second part is you said muscle is king, mm. right? What is it about muscle? Like, have you changed the way that you were working out earlier from what you're doing now? Is your fitness structure different? You mean after being diagnosed with type one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I CrossFit was make raising my glucose because it's almost HIIT, and so I stopped doing it. I do slower strength building sessions. I do more walks, which is LISS, LISS, low intensity steady, uh, state. steady state cardio. I do yoga a lot more, and once in a while, just to break a good sweat, which I was doing every day, I do a good HIIT session. So yes that has changed for me but at the same time it's not a one size fits all like for some people coffee raises their glucose thank god for <laughs> me it doesn't raise my glucose i always of course add fat to it 
so the graph is pretty much constant but some type one might have an hiit work for them so it's again intuitive living and experimentation and you have to figure what works for you so the question i had asked you was about this how do you know this works for me hmm. that intuitive living were you actually sitting down journaling that i tried this today this didn't work were you giving yourself a score on what your energy levels were hmm. were you doing any of that aspect or it was just the feeling when you were experimenting through the stages a bit of both i am hmm. a certified quantified bob hmm. so, so i you like, want to write down all the numbers yes hmm. i would use whatever it takes gadgets not all of them there are some i uh, like and some i don't i would quantify everything i have a journal and i write my fasting glucose i write what i did how much water i drank what i ate what workout i did in the workout what did i do i write everything down so that i can always go back and say why did my glucose raise on that particular day and then i can make those changes and of course it's been 5 years now so that monitoring has become low i'm making a few changes now so i'm monitoring it again so every time i go through a change now every time i want to shuffle things around like now i'm adding a few vegetables to see how my body reacts so i'm monitoring it again but it's very important for you to monitor everything for you to be able to go back and say what raised the glucose what brought it down and because you can't always rely on your memory it's not fair so i think just monitoring everything helped a lot and of course intuitive living by knowing my energy levels by knowing my hunger state by knowing my sleep state you know all these things so interesting you know this aspect of quantifying and then still using your intuitiveness and that joining together makes mm. the difference yes all right so that was mega and we were discussing about her journey now in the next episode we deep dive into understanding biohacking and her journey into biohacking so make sure you join us for part 2 if you like this podcast Don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IVM podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Ashtin Doc on Twitter and Instagram. You can find lots more information on my website awesome180.com or check out different content on my YouTube channel called AWESOME180 that's awesome180